<laughs> Still podcasting. Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Josh. Welcome to the Gleeful Podcast with Josh, Jen, and Ed. You can find us on Twitter at Gleeful Podcast. I'm at Josh Brunel. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. I got it right. Welcome back. We are here to discuss the latest episode of Glee entitled 100, the 100th episode of Glee. We got some old people back. We got some new people still hanging around with nothing to do. And we got lots of new versions of old songs, all of which we will discuss in the next probably reasonably brief because we're like on our second and a half hour. Uh, but let's just dive right in. Jennifer. Joshua. Episode 100 is what we are here to discuss. Tell me, what did you think of Glee's episode 100? Um, hmm. I thought it was good. There were no... Really outstanding moments for me. I, again, the performances were fun and, and great. I'm just really, really tired of the, you know, the diva theme. Really over it. Really, really over it. Yeah, I was kind of surprised how well it persisted into this episode. Yeah, and the infighting and it's just, yeah, that got really tiresome. But that aside, performances were fun. Sentiment was nice. And there you go. Yeah, um, Ed, episode 100, what did you think? I mean, it was very self-referential, and that was good. You but mean self-referential? Like, it? <laughs> it was abbreviated. Well, you created a new word. It was awesome. What did I say? Self-referential. Self-referential. Oh, well, that, yes, it was self-referential. <laughs> and, and, um, but the problem, my biggest issue was, was it like... Like unlike when they did when uh, Rachel did "Don't Stop Believing" for her for audition for uh, Funny Girls, like mm. it was self 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 whatever the word is <laughs> I made up, uh, with with meaning. It was just like it was just like look at how many references we could smash into this episode. Yeah, I'm like okay, well that's nice. And your point is exactly what. Yeah, I'm ki- I'm kind of I'm kind of on board with both of you in a way. The, the, I I did feel that the episode lacked a point in a way. Yeah. Um 
it was nice to have people back. Uh, I, I think what what was nice for me wasn't so much that the people were back; it's that the writers were back. This is, I think, the first episode all season that was written by Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk, and Ian Brennan. So the guys that wrote season one wrote this episode. I really appreciated that aspect of it. A lot of like the biting insults and kind of the holy crap! I can't believe they just said that. That Brad Falchuk used to bring. I really liked yeah. the moments of kind of self awareness that uh that ryan murphy used to bring i really liked and then you know they they well i don't really know what ian brennan brings other than it was his idea um but uh you know so th- like there were there was a spirit in some of this episode that i really appreciated that to have back um that said yeah it it felt it all felt kind of inconsequential it all felt like people were kind of on different wavelengths in a way and I think the biggest challenge I had with this episode was the entire conceit being we're going to bring back all the old folks and have a bit of a reunion. That aspect I dug. And then the second half of the conceit being, and we're going to redo a bunch of the old songs and kind of reinterpret them or at least, or honor them. And that to me, I thought fell totally flat. I didn't like any of the new versions more than I liked the old songs. Most of the songs that they were redoing are songs I've heard so many times that I don't really need a new version of Keep Holding On to care about. And then they broke their own conceit twice in the episode. <laughs> First yeah. by doing having the New Directions say, we're going to do song, we're going to redo songs by the New Directions and then immediately do Raise Your Glass and call out that the New Directions never did that song. And then have Holly Holiday do Happy, totally acknowledging that she's not going to participate in the entire con- musical conceit of the episode. So in that way, it felt like, oh yeah, we're it's Glee. Like, Glee is going to be Glee, and there's nothing you can do about it, no matter how good their intentions. Well, 98% the, the of the time, spot, they will fall I mean, over. the Happy spot was supposed to be, I forget if it was Shake It, shake it Off or um, Dog Days Are Over. But yeah, I it, thought it was Dog Days Are Over. One, one, it was one of those two. So, and, and and it's just strange, like that they would do that. It felt very out of place. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, we can dive right in. Uh, I guess we can say, you know, the the other conceit of this episode is that the Glee Club is shutting down, and that uh, Sue Sylvester is finally going to get her victory and shut down the Glee Club. Glee Club, and April Rhodes has come back to attempt to save it, or at least to say goodbye. It's kind of I'm not 100 percent sure why she's there. I don't think she is either. <laughs> I'm not even. I don't think she's 100 percent sure she is there. But uh, Chris and Chenoweth back on the show. Jennifer, April Rhodes. What do you think? It was fun to see her there. And you're right. I kind of forgot, you know, as we're watching it, she said a couple of things. And I was like, oh, I can't believe she said that. But then I'm like, you're right. I mean, this was that sort of, you know, cheeky, edgy feel that the show used to have. Yeah, the dialogue. Oh, my God. When she gave them alcohol and said, this is to dull the pain of your wedding night sodomy. Like, yes. I could not believe that was on I know. television. I know. And, and you know, it's like. Only thing in here, you know, only, only version in here is, you know, going to be unique. Something yeah. like that. And I was like, <laughs> it, it, it's like, I kind of forget how it it used to be kind of fun and edgy. And now it's, I don't know. Now, yeah. anytime somebody says something that's remotely inappropriate, it gets really blown out, you know, blown up to this like kind of, you know, um, you know, 
mission statement type of thing. Like, like this is this is the lesson of the week. Well, they used to say things that were horrible, but it was fun. Yeah. Like a lot of the things where April Rose said, you know, she taught me how to smuggle meat in my vagina. Like yeah. that's a horrible thing to say. Yeah. But it was funny and kind of like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And yet now it's, it's ridiculous. Like when Santana and Rachel are saying these things to each other, they're just mean. Yeah. And they're mean and they're baseless and they're not even good arguments. It's like, fine. If you're going to call her, you know, a horrible person, say that she's petty, say that she's jealous, say that she's unsupportive of friends, but don't say she shaves her beard in the sink because, like, that's not even... That has no nothing to do with the argument that you're trying to support. But at least, I mean, and that to me was still old school glee. If you didn't, if we didn't have all of the horrible things that yeah. Santana and Rachel have been doing recently, that's a classic Santana line. Like you're fat, you're ugly, you're shaved. Right. Like these are old school Santana. Like I'm gonna be a horrible bitch to you, but I don't actually mean it because I have a heart of gold because I'm a fictional character. Um, yeah. But. So it, it like even that felt at least in yeah. sequence with old school Santana. Okay, but yeah, so April Rhodes, um Yeah, I I I really adore Kristen Chenoweth. Um I really, really do. I just I, I think I think because of the um everything that they were trying to get out of this one episode, it was more annoying than enjoyable for me mm-hmm. to have her back. But that said, you know, I, I, you know, we can see what they're working towards. So, like I said in the last episode, I'm not going to let anything that happens in McKinley get to me because it doesn't matter. It's all <laughs> inconsequential. It doesn't, you know, it is not going to make a difference come September or October or November whenever they start the show again in New Interesting. York. True. Ed, uh, feelings about April Rhodes? Um, it was relatively good to see her back. I appreciated the callback to. Quinn and Puck's child. Um, I th- thought for a second that Idina Mazel might be in the episode. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. It would have been be cool awesome. to see her. Would have made sense. She's busy. It would have made sense. But then, of course, <laughs> April. I mean, then, of course, uh, Holly Holiday is the one that shows up. So, but you know, if, they, if they'd had their, time, a character would have said, uh, would have like asked where to find Adele Nazim. Like, if there had been time, if they'd been able to wow. get it in time. That would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but sorry, Ed, I interrupted you. So, uh, April, oh, and, and so you were, you would have thought she might have been there, but obviously she was not. I mean, April Rhodes is fine. It was good to see, like, at, what I like about April Rhodes is that she's, like, a fairly consistent character, as as terrible, as, like, odd as that sounds. It's kind of true. Like, if you go back to her delusional house um, sitting, uh, like, squatting days like yes she like like if you're if you're making a list of top 10 most consistent glee characters april rhodes might find herself on that list <laughs> that's funny it's true she is a consistent train wreck the um listener emily in the chat room just said april overstayed her welcome in the back nine of season one if they had to bring someone back it should have been sandy ryerson which is brilliant i can't believe actually, i forgot about him i think that would have been a much more fun callback <sighs> i agree uh I, you know, I had a, a, a long love affair with, uh, uh, with Christian Chenoweth. Uh, one summer was May, December was lovely. No, um, I, I used to, lo- I adored her on Pushing Daisies. Oh, I, she's so I, cute. Th- she's, I love her on the soundtracks that she's recorded. Obviously Wicked, everyone loves Wicked. Uh, 
the last few years, Kristen Chenoweth has become this kind of abrasive satire of herself. Like she did the this pop record and a Christmas record, which are unfreaking listenable. Um, she's on that horrible Kirstie Alley sitcom on TV Land, where she plays kind of a satire of herself, and then here. At some point, she stopped eating food, and it kind of aged her face like crazy. I don't want to have any critiques. She's she's still lovely, but she stopped eating food, and I find that unattractive. And um, I just she's gotten squeaky, like her voice kind of lost its depth, and it just became squeaky and annoying. And I don't i I've lost a lot of what I what a lot of what I saw in her before is kind of gone. So in this one, the fact that she was a set like April Rhodes was plus twelve. Like this was April Rhodes on acid in this particular one, going way over. And then I feel that her voice has lost a certain depth in the last couple of years. It really didn't work for me uh, having her back on the show. I much would have rather have seen someone like Sandy or Rod Remington. Uh, we should have played that club again. Uh, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, April was not up for me. And for I don't know why, but having April and Holly on the show together. I used to really like Holly. Holly brought out some cool, interesting aspects of Will. Um, Holly brought a certain kind of grown-up playfulness, but also knew when to get deep with the characters. I used to like Holly a lot. And in this episode, Holly was April Rhodes 2.0. Like everything that April was doing, Holly was like right there next to her. She was practically a sidekick more than an actual character. And so in that way, I found Holly kind of annoying in this one. Uh, It kind of, yeah, they both kind of fell flat for me to a certain degree. What did work for me in this episode was Diane Agron. I was so happy to have Diane Agron back on the show. I liked the evolution of that character and I liked that plot line. And I'm going to put it over to to you, Jen. Uh, How did you feel about uh, Quinn and Puck back on the show? I thought it was very believable. I mean, I got a little confused at the end. Obviously, this is, you know, we're beyond spoilers if you haven't seen it. Oh, yeah, Um, you're you're done if you haven't seen it. They get a little confused at the end when he's like, just tell me to stay. Like, well, if you're in the military, yeah. I don't think you have that freedom. <laughs> she's got to get back to New She's going to Connecticut, <laughs> so stay where. But that aside, um, I thought their moments were great. I've, you know, uh, it's kind of hard. I always felt like she has been um, kind of given the short end of the stick a lot of times in the show. But she is consistent. She is she's lovely she's got a great voice she has a great presence um there's a natural believability to her except when she's fake crying (laughs) oh my god her fake crying when um puck was singing to her was that was pretty bad. like she was afraid to go ugly and you know you gotta go ugly if you want to be believable in the cry so um so I, I liked I liked seeing her I enjoyed seeing her but now okay so maybe we can do this at the end but now that Emily wrote that about Sandy I'm like well now I'm thinking of all these other people I would have rather come back because Holly Holiday was never one of my favorite characters mm. um and April Rhodes yeah you know she's just so over the top unbelievable really kind of hard to like she's she's good as a side note not as a fixture 
Well, I dream of a day where every coach of Vocal Adrenaline does a reunion number where we get like Cheyenne oh, and God. we get Macadina Menzel. Uh, I think that would be mm-hmm. kind of hilarious. I, I mean, there are definitely, I, I would have loved to see Tanaka show up. I was thinking while we were rewatching oh it, like if Tanaka walks in and goes like, what's going on, guys? I would have loved <laughs> to see Terry come in and say, just say, fun. oh, you know. Glad you're glad you're you know the thing that destroyed our marriage is finally just falling apart. Like I would have loved to have seen Terry, you know. Ed, what uh, are there any characters you would have liked to have seen come back? Terry's sister. Terry's sister. <laughs> She's crazy pants. What was her name? I don't remember. Uh, I, I remember liking Amber, her at the time. Allison. Um, uh, that's funny. The show Terry's five sister. Audrey. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. hilarious yeah terry's sister would have been funny um that well and and they even dropped in the line uh, uh holly had that line there's a facebook page for everyone who's ever guested in the glee club matt bomer yeah uh oh god the spanish him. teacher her Anderson sister kendra Cooper. kendra that's what it was kendra <laughs> that's oh, awesome oh, yeah um, there's so many like, I just wanted Mark the uh, the football player who never had a line Aww. I know I feel bad for him he, he's like like he, it's, he missed he was there for the rough times of Glee but he missed out on the good times at least at least with like the 2.0s they were like promised things but yeah. it was yeah. delivered but when at least, at least with with Mark, he was there. For, he was there for the rough times. When they were like, "Oh, we're only gonna do thirteen episodes. We don't, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know." Well, I w- <laughs> it would be funny if they brought him back. Like he's walking down the halls, and everybody looks at him and goes, "I'm a substitute teacher here now." You didn't know, like, like <laughs> just to have him be like, "Oh, uh, that would be so tragic." No, I want him to be crazy successful and not a bitch. That's, that's, all, that's all I want for him. Isn't that's that sad funny. that our aspirations for the cast is, or the these characters is just not to be evil yeah. bitches? Let's not be horrible. Uh, Ed, uh, thoughts on Diana Agron and um, uh, and oh. Mark Sowling back? I it it was both believable. I you know. I kind of enjoy like I feel like they were going out of their way to make her boyfriend like a bad person like like he, he wasn't inherently a bad person he was just a busy person. He was boring. And, yeah, I yeah I actually thought it was just it, he was it, just poorly cast and acted like that actor just needed to be more inherently douchey. Yeah, like I didn't believe it. Like, or mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I believe. I don't know. It, I don't know. I was like, like what I was hearing about him and what I was seeing, I wasn't like, uh, eh. I don't know. <laughs> um, it was good. It was good to see Diana back. I, I don't know. I I thought so the 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 toxic wasn't. As you said, nothing was nothing was special. Nothing was special. Yeah. Like none of the recreations were like, oh god, I'm so happy they redid that. Like this, they was like the only one that see as you said, keep holding on was a waste of time. But I was like, that was like the one. I was like, you know, I enjoyed that, that. recreation. <laughs> made me believe. Made me. Uh, it's kind of the issue with covering things on. Um, for some reason, American Idol has this penchant, and X Factor even to that like the in the finale, that to redo a song you did already, and like Emily Bird had to do Mad World again. I'm like Mad World again isn't going to be as good as Mad World again. Like oh totally, they should have oh, yeah. went. Om- they almost should have went with songs, which obviously wouldn't have won the poll, so that wouldn't have worked. But yeah. taking the taking the the quote unquote new approach to this, pick a song that you that you hit a B with. Like a B, B plus with, and like make it an A on the recreation. <laughs> Redemption song. 
essentially. <laughs> oh, uh, listener Emily in the chat room said it was not Mark the football player, it was Matt. Matt, oh. Player. Wow, um, that's two of your brother's names right there. That's... There you go. I, I mean, I actually, the thing, Ed, is I, I agree with you to a point. It's so hard. Like, what you want them to do is say, hey, pick one of those songs you didn't do so well and fix it. Like, but it's it's kind of hard to make that point. I mean, like something like Valerie. I love Valerie the first time it's done. I love it. This time, there's really nothing they could do to Valerie to make it different, except to maybe like, well, actually, considering Valerie already was a cover, you could do the original Claxons version, which is more of a indie rock song. But <laughs> uh, you're kind of taking away what people like about it. Like, yeah, to reinvent these you songs, can, you you're can't... stripping out what we why we liked them in the first place. That's why they couldn't, they shouldn't have done songs yeah. that were like, they're bad, like, I feel like putting up to a fan vote was the wrong decision. I yeah. feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, but if it, were, if it was an episode, like let's say in season six, they do the acoustic episode and they do a bunch of acoustic covers of songs they've already done that I would listen to. Or the acapella episode. Let's do a bunch of acapella covers of songs we've done in the past. I think that would be a great episode. But yeah, this palette was just too wide. It was just kind of ill-conceived. I, I think the idea was a good one, but I mean, there's I mean, just how, no way how to does do one it. one right. say like, oh, episode 100, let's... Like that's it, like on paper, it all makes sense, but yeah. in execution, it was just references for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think for the episode one hundred, now that you know, like I knew that they were doing this poll, and I guess I didn't really give it that much thought because I didn't really understand what it would turn into. I think I feel like yeah, like this is their this is their final hurrah. It shouldn't be rehashing what we did. Yeah. It should be like, well, what is that one song that you know? What's my one dream song that I never got an there opportunity? Like, I mean, cause, apparently like, the answer was "Happy" by yeah, <laughs> which <laughs> you know is infectious and fun. And y- y- yes, I've probably watched every version. Oh my god, there's this great version of this. <laughs> This um this uh school choir probably these kids can't be more than eight years old. It's somewhere in New York. If you get a chance, oh, I'll 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 put it on the the page. It's really it's. I only so watch great. versions where Amy Adams dances. Okay, so um <laughs> so yeah Drink. so but thinking about thinking about this now in hindsight, I wish that they had done more of their um like missed opportunities, their dream song mm. or their regrets. You know. Not, not a, not a rehash because they didn't even, they didn't even do it right. <laughs> they yeah. didn't even do it the way they promised. And it was just kind of like, meh. You know, the thinking about it, the better version of what they did in this episode were, was the live shows. Yeah. Doing, the, they took the songs that you loved from the show and they did them in a new way. They did them live and they maintained all the authenticity mm. of seeing them on the show and they maintained all the things we liked about them in the show, except that they were one take. They were with a live audience. They were with, you know, moving set pieces right in front of you. Yeah. That was the better version of what was attempted here. Or, I mean, like Ed, how, how much fun would you have had if they said, Hey everybody, we're doing the 100 episode. Tell us what song you always wished this character would do. Yeah. I mean, Ed, you, you would have written the whole show and they would have had it done in like five parts. Oh, they, they would they would be forced to hire me after the popularity. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then we ended up getting something like Defying Gravity, which we've already heard a couple times, multiple times, and then we ended up 
you know, I, I keep thinking like, okay, you watched it once in a diva off, so you've already seen it twice. And then the people in that poor room, like within Glee World, had to watch, or had to listen to Defying Gravity three times. Yeah, I, I didn't feel that any of them were particularly improved. Though I will say, Keep Holding On was the only one that, well, no, because that was pretty much exactly the same, just with a different lead singer. But I enjoyed yeah, but, it. But, but, it was, but what mm. made it, what made it work is that it was, it was the every. You're right. It was the same song with the same message, but it was like. It was done with a different, like, the intentions were different. Like, I love, yeah. I love when someone at a beginning of a story says one thing, and at the end of the story they say the same exact thing, but by, <laughs> but at that point it has a completely different context around what was said. Yeah. And that that's that that to me was what keep holding on was. It was the same song, exactly the same way, except this time it has a completely different reason for keep holding on. That's an interesting point. Yeah, it's and, kind of interesting. And, yeah. and, and to support that or, or to go along with that, I also felt that it was the only time I felt nostalgic. It's the only time that I felt like, oh. Well, you were just nostalgic for this motion. Everyone watching live, this motion. Yeah. The, <laughs> the... Point up to the sky and then bring it in with a fist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. This way. Yes. Um, this is the first time our cat has ever come into my office. If you like this, this is the only after time. a year he's finally feeling after comfortable in here. Um, yeah, I just, for a year already. Wow. Yeah, over a year. Oh, uh, year and a half. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> but yes, let's bring it back to Quinn and Puck because that is kind of how we started in this. Quinn and Puck. Um, it, it, I I liked having them back. I I think that if this is the last time we see Quinn and Puck, I think this is a nice way to be the last time we see Quinn and Puck. Is it the ending for their characters? I would like not particularly. It feels a little samey. I don't know, but I mean, at the end of the day, like if this is the last time I ever I'm ever going to see these characters, I think it's a fitting send off. And so there is a fine. chance it's the last time we will ever see them again. There's no reason to bring Puck around without Finn. Without having Finn on the show, Mark Selling's character serves no purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think Except that's for, you kinda... know, to be uh, that person's brother, Jacob Artist's brother. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> but he's Whatever. gone. They he's didn't gone even talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, right? They didn't even... I Actually, Ed, until you said that, I totally forgot that they were brothers because yeah. there was no... There was no reunion, no... Okay, now he's gone behind the fridge. Awesome. Anyhow, yeah, there was no... There was, there was no connection. There was no interaction... But, I mean, you know what? Y- you're right. If, if this is the last... To me, it's satisfying. I, You know, and everything that he said to her was true. Like, I'm the only one you're on, you were ever honest with. Yeah. And she can be herself and you know, she, can, she can still be, you know, prim and proper Quinn, but also, you know, be naughty. I have Ryan Seacrest on my lower back. Yeah, Quinn. they totally, but they haven't mentioned that since they put it on the show. I totally <laughs> forgot that all that happened. Yeah, okay. Kind of I, I, I guess I want to ask sort of a serious question. Does Glee deserve a season six? Does it? No, I don't think <laughs> it does. I, don't, I, I would have I said would, it didn't deserve a season five. <laughs> I was desperate that it would end at the end of this season. I think that this is the end of this season. Rachel having gotten to Broadway, Mercedes got a record, Curtin Blaine getting married. Like, I feel that the end of this season, everyone will have culminated as characters. Everything they wanted will have been accomplished. Next season is going to be like 
you know, the last season of Scrubs, like the last season of Arrested Development, like the story ended and then we kept talking. Well, unless somebody's listening and they agree with me. Josh and Ed. Yes, (laughs) definitely hire the three of us. But um, I'm still, I'm, I'm standing by my belief that if Artie goes to film school and, you know, now that the Glee Club is closed, he goes to film school. He does a documentary on, you know, uh, American high school Glee clubs. Glee clubs and all that comes out of it. And, you know, he, he this documentary includes the pop sensation Mercedes Jones from the West Coast and the Broadway sensation Rachel Berry from Broadway and... Um, I don't know what Santana's going to become. I don't know what anybody else is going to become. But if they, she's she's from the she's from that uh, that commercial. Oh my God, yeast yeah. stat. Oh God, <laughs> the happiest um, yeast infection survivor ever. <laughs> it just survivor. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to wear a ribbon know. for yeast infection survivors? <laughs> You've never had one. <laughs> where, 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 where is that benefit, Jennifer? When are we going to that event? Where is that fundraiser? Oh my god! <laughs> but I'm just saying, it could, it could be good. It could be really good. And hmm. then you talk about, you know, not only the people that made it, but the people that didn't, and you know, or or where they all went. And then you go back to that, you know, that group of underdogs that we fell in love with. We dedicated the last five and a half years to, and in in you know just just show what it was all about. Interesting. Uh, that's that's. I mean, I think that's a, a beautiful. All I want is a credit. Show. I don't even want the money for this. I want the money. Uh, Ed, <laughs> uh, what? Answer your own question. Do you think that Glee deserves a season six? The, my issue with this question is, I feel like there are shows who've committed far less egregious sins that didn't even get a full season one well that's true but mm. there i mean well but that's you know politics and television yeah. the, the more interesting one is shows that have created that have committed much more much greater egregious sins and are still on tv even after killing off two main characters uh what are you talking about two and a half men um oh. the, oh. like so yeah but what do you think ed it's I, I struggle to say like the ratings don't show it deserves it. It isn't like it isn't like it's this critically acclaimed masterpiece. I don't know. I've been somewhat frustrated with it. Even like even these episodes, it's just like 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 I like I want to like you. I'm not I'm not like I'm not coming into the episode being like oh this is gonna be terrible. Of course not. But I do feel sometimes it's like 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 we like I want you to be good. Yeah. And do you do you want to be good, Glee? Because I don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. Okay. You're well, good. I mean, it's you know, it's hard to love Glee when it doesn't love itself. Like that is. Yeah. It, it's just true. Okay, Ed. I do have a question. If we weren't doing this podcast, would you still be watching Glee? Probably not. Hashtag probably not. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's like yeah. I like there was a time that I really believed in the two point. Well, you certainly you tried harder to love the two than anybody else. You were you were the biggest evangelist for them. <laughs> you, you supported I mean, them more than the show. Yeah, yeah that is true. And, and it's it's funny because I always like complain that like Tina never got time of day, 
and they finally give her time of day. They really do. <laughs> but I'm like, but is it? But is this like? Is this how we wanted Tina to be? She like, was annoying as hell when she started talking. I know. It's like, well, like, well, I get. It's like, I don't know. It's like they don't. They don't respect the characters they created very much. Yeah, that's the frustration. I, I mean, I think it's a valid question. I, I do feel that, like, I would still be watching the show because I finish shows. But um, it, it, it it's it's a valid point that we certainly wouldn't be watching it every week. We'd probably, you know, this would have fallen to, like, you know, it, I finally watched the second season of Smash last yes. yeah, a couple weeks ago which by the way second season of smash is fucking great um it's awesome but uh no, i didn't do i didn't do well i didn't see it. well My mom said it was people had decided that show is garbage before and and it gets their shows get a, a taint on them where people start using the word hate watching and i'm like yeah but you're still watching so if you hated it that much you wouldn't be anymore um it was really fun i enjoyed the crap out of it uh, but anyway, uh, the thing about Glee is, yeah, I'd still be watching it, but I wouldn't be watching it right away. Um, it's it's just not consistent enough. And the only shows that we watch right away are shows that everyone's going to be talking about tomorrow or that yeah. I love the characters so much that I can't stand to be away from them for too long. And quite frankly... I, I mean, at least for me, like we're just so busy. How I Met Your Mother is the only show that I can't stand to be away from the characters for too long. Um, th- so you know, it, it part of it is just life changes. I mean, I think yeah. all three of our lives are so dramatically different <laughs> than they were when we started, when we started this yeah. podcast. Holy crap! Uh, so you know, but I'm definitely I, I I have high hopes for season six. I just my biggest worries that it's going to be season five is going to finish the story of these characters and then season six will keep going and that's going to be hard and i i i hold out hope as as i do anytime we find out a show that we you know absolutely loved at some point and then maybe have become frustrated with throughout i, I hold out the same hope that now that the show knows they have a finite number of episodes to do something amazing i just i pray that they're like okay you know this is what we're gonna do and it's gonna be amazing and you're gonna love it and you're gonna forgive us for our sins i mean hey six feet under did it the the honest the last six minutes of the season no you can't you can't say six feet under made up for four seasons of garbage television with Um, the last six minutes of the last i watched that last six minutes Every now and then I ball my eyes out. I stand by that. So yes, I can say that. Sorry, Ed. Um, but the honest truth is now that they know the end date, yeah. there is zero, like less than zero percent of a reason to ever have a filler episode ever again. I agree. I Absolutely. totally agree. Like, like I totally the, agree. The re- but then the I watched were... Lost. So the, <laughs> I mean, the, re- the, like, the reason there are filler episodes is because they're trying to like they have this end in sight and they're trying to lay it. Yeah, that's yeah. like I, in my mind, that's the that's the role of the filler episode. But now they have the end in set. They have they know what the ending is. The end is in sight. They don't. They know they're not getting any more. Yeah. So Breaking Bad did it. They yeah, did it and, right. And every step needs to be towards it. One step, like you need to be walking towards that, and you need to start laying that groundwork. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. 
I agree, and and I wish them the best. I mean, I I'm certainly we're certainly all going to be around to see what happens. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. we I'm well, curious. Let's let's come back from that tangent a little bit, and let's take a listen to our diva off. Uh, because hey, I think we all want to listen to Defying Gravity one more time. Uh, let's take a listen to our diva off, and we'll see how they did. This is Leah Michelle, Chris Colfer, and I. No, wow, uh, and Amber Riley <laughs> doing Defying Gravity on the Gleeful Podcast. I feel like as the host of a podcast that has to fill another 10 or 15 minutes of conversation, I should ask who won the diva off. But really, the question I'm going to ask is who cares? Jennifer, do you care anymore about who's the best singer in Glee Club? Or is this something that is, are we just past that? Yeah, you know, I, this is, this is, okay. I know I said I was going to yell at this, like all this petty stuff go but it just I can't believe that you know two 19 or 20 year olds who have made such great successes in life right out of high school on Broadway in the music biz are caring what a group of people who they don't even know their names think of them they even a group that doesn't even that isn't going to exist in a week they even made an argument about it in the show where Rachel and Mercedes before before they're singing the song while it's playing the intro they actually have to make an argument for why this is important Rachel's like even with all my success I'm still in here and all I've ever wanted to be was the best and I still want all the approval of these people like they're even trying to justify it themselves uh, I think uh, yeah. Ed how do you feel about the diva off I didn't realize how petty it was until, I mean, I guess it was. It was really, like, that's all there was. It was just so, there was nothing else to it except pure, like, pure pettiness. There's nothing else to, ah. Like, it doesn't, like, they're already successful, at least with the, not, I guess I'm giving it credence, like, at least with the Santana-Rachel beef, at least it was, like, somewhat yeah. real It's based in something. Somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> some, in some world, it's yeah. real, but. But for this, it had no, it had no, there was no even, like, they're like, we have, there's no reason this should be happening. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of how I felt about it. it. And it also felt really repetitious, like unnecessarily repetitious. We come back, like here we're going to come back for a love fest and we end up like having a big childish yeah. argument. I don't know. And it's it just... I mean, okay, fine, I get it. You know, it all kind of culminates in this discussion they have in the the ladies' room where they're saying, you know, like, no matter who we become in our current lives, we're going to be haunted by our ghosts of our past, And but they only make us stronger. And I'm like, then why did we have to, like, sit through this uncomfortable thing? And I just, like, this bugged me because... This song, it was so watered down to fit three people's voices and to also change it up from the last time they did it. I'm like, I don't even care about this. This is like the elevator version, the Muzak version of Defying Gravity. It's interesting. Yeah, they did the same thing with Defying Gravity. They also did it with um, uh, Toxic. And I think Valerie was the other one where they slowed it down. And I'm not really sure, like, they didn't strip it down. They just slowed it down. Slow it and down that was very strange. I didn't Every notice that in Valerie. Okay, it might, just, it might have just been the other two. But, yeah, I, I, that kind of, I found it distracting and it took some of the weight. Actually, I take that back. I, I, I didn't notice it in Toxic because I don't know the original song that well. Well, that's true. When they did it the first time on Glee, they slowed it way down, but it was for kind of a purpose. Right. And here they just kind of slowed it down. For Diana Agron. Because- voice but you slowed it down for diana agron's voice yeah that's the impression i got oh, interesting no not they didn't lower the register they made right. it a slower song right okay. interesting so, uh but yeah eh, so yeah I, just, I don't have much to say about the diva off i found it kind of annoying but it's interesting yeah. that uh yeah i i i uh i guess we agree uh let's we did get a number from the unholy trinity let's take a listen to that this is toxic doing the uh or toxic by the unholy trinity and we can talk a little bit about the return of britanna santitney whichever you prefer i don't know here is toxic on the global podcast baby can't you see i'm calling a guy like you should wear a See, they slowed it down because they're trying to make it a tango. Oh, I they're, know. They're okay. trying to turn it into a tango, and that's why they totally use the cell block tango right. costume. Which is funny because as we're listening to this and I'm thinking back, I'm like, this is the only number that they have like an alternate performance of. Yeah. Everybody else is, you know, straightforward. And, but I thought they kind of slowed it down. Be- and again, I do believe it was like partly because of um, Quinn's voice. It's just more sultry and more loungy, you know. Mm. That's all. The the thing that struck me about this particular number was um, that Heather Morris and Diana Agron are out of practice. 
<laughs> they did not hit the angles and the movements near as well as Naya Rivera did, who has do- been doing this all season. Yeah. Well, one of them just had a baby, and the other <laughs> one is doing legitimate movies. Yeah, I thought that was so funny. <laughs> so that, I like, don't really care. Diana, like, Diana Agron's always kind of... I don't want to say ignore, but she's always kind of been outside the rest of the group, like, like by the nature of her character. And then just in general, like she's always kind of seemed outside the rest of the community, uh, the glee folk. And then here she comes back to very little fanfare, like kind of, again, still kind of on the outside. And yet you wonder what happens when they all get back into the dressing room. She's like, Hey Mark, what have you been up to? Oh, you know, whatever. Yeah, and how about you, Mike? What have you been up to? Whatever. You? I did a movie with Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert De Niro. Yeah, how I you mean, been? I think part of it is that she doesn't need it as much as the others. It, it, there, there's an argument for that. <laughs> I mean, it's like, Honey Badger don't care. Yeah. <laughs> she, just, she doesn't need it. She's had a bigger off-glee career than just yeah. about anybody else. Seriously, those eyes, those cheekbones, she doesn't need it. Did she get her nose job, do you think? think so uh ed uh the return of the unholy trinity i know you're a fan what did you think of this number it wasn't special enough like like that's 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 how i I was like it was great to see the characters and and i really liked some santana britney interactions satana i mean uh, britana was was fantastic like the chess match was Fan freaking tastic! Like that's amazing. That was like, really cute. That was the first one on the line with uh, I forget what type of accent was like. That's awesome, but I don't know. Like, like as much as Quinn and Puck worked as a storyline, I felt like Quinn, Santana, Brittany, the three of like those three. It was just like, it was just like it's happening. Nothing. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah. It, the other thing that was kind of weird about this number is almost two scenes later after uh, Santana says to Brittany, Hey, you know, what's going to make you feel better. Let's reunite the unholy Trinity. And then two scenes later, she's like, you know, what's going to make you feel better. Let's do a number together. Yeah. (laughs) Almost like the show didn't really give a crap about this one. (laughs) Like they almost didn't remember they even did it. Uh, but yes, we had the return of Britannia in this episode. Brittany coming back, as you said, Ed, uh, as a math genius and kind of detached from the Brittany we used to know. Um, this was the Ian Brennan contribution. No one is more in love with with Heather Morris than Ian Brennan. And whenever he wrote an episode, there was always a large Brittany slash uh, Heather Morris contingent in it. Uh, so yes, she was in there and uh, decided she wanted Santana back, which was interesting. I know you're a big fan, Ed, of of, uh, of Dantana. So what did you think uh-huh. of Brittana in this episode? I mean, it made me, it made me realize, like, I love, I don't know. I'm, I like, Demi Lovato's character a lot, a lot. So it makes me sad, but I know that keeping Demi around is probably not a realistic thing. And Santana and Brittany with Fondy for Two, which wasn't as good as it should have been, but yeah. But it it was like I don't know. It, it it's good to see them back together, even if it's just like this. Interesting. You know, I actually had a different reaction. I felt. The, the intent of the plot line I really liked, like the intent of seeing, like this was actually, all the other characters kind of came back and were still themselves. Whereas 
Brittany kind of came back as somebody different. And I actually really liked that. I thought the, the concept of her coming back as this math genius, like as diametrically opposite as the Brittany we knew. Um, I, I thought but at, least, was, at least it made sense within the world that has been set in front of us. Exactly. So I really appreciated that. But then like immediately falling into, you know what I need now is my high school girlfriend back. Um, that felt very odd. I don't know. It, to me, it, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, what's weird is it's very honest. Like, I think it was yeah. actually an incredibly honest plot line. Um, I don't know. It, it, it felt a little cold for me. I guess maybe it was just in some of the delivery. Yeah. Um, I mean, because Heather Morrison has kind of this. Morris. Sorry, Heather Morris. <laughs> sorry, not Matthew Morrison Whoa. and Heather Morris. Um, <laughs> She has, Brittany is very aloof and always seems like she's talking and things don't matter to her. They're just, they're just out there, they're words, and, you know, she may feel it in the moment, maybe not 10 seconds later, or maybe yeah. she really does, but you just never know. She's just always kind of aloof. That's the best thing I can say. <laughs> but I do like that, um, you know, she she recognizes her worth. She kind of gets it. I mean, um, I'm not, I don't know. I, there, there's there's something about her character and her, um, you know, abilities right now that it feels like maybe they're leading to something else. I don't know. But I do like that, you know, it's like she misses feeling something. Like she's mm. she's she's been in Boston and she's, you know, realizes, you know, intellectually she's growing, but her heart isn't growing and she, she misses feeling. And there's something about, there, there's a softness to Santana that when Brittany's around, it like humanizes her mm. in a way. You, you, we don't get to see it as much. And I and I kind of like that. So, I mean, to me, it seems very plausible that they would get together. And again, you know, New York and Boston is only a four-hour train ride. It could happen. But, um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see a little bit of Brittany next year. Yeah, I, I, I think... There's a world in which I would like some Britney in the show. That's yeah. definitely true. Uh, you know, the the one of the bigger struggles I had with Santana in this episode was how uh, they're about to do the voting for the diva off, and then Santa just sent Santa Santana Santa. Just stands up and gives that horrible diatribe to Rachel, just without question uh, or without any provocation, stands up to say all of these horrible things. No one really reacts. And then we immediately go to a scene of Santana and Brittany kind of having their, you know, Brittany being like, I like being around you. I miss you so much. I want you back with no ramifications of the horrible things that happened a moment before Um, that annoyed me just because it seemed so strange uh but you make a really good point Brittany had that great line of like being around you makes my body wake up was kind of a beautiful line um there was a lot of true emotion in that particular uh in that particular plot line so i i like that and and i actually of all of them i am curious to see how that's going to turn out in the next episode like that was a big one i did not know that this 100th episode was kind of a two-parter and so that that was the one thing coming out of this that i went wow i really want to see how this is going to go down with Brittany." yeah and it just it it okay and back to um because when we watched it the first time it just felt weird that she was doing this right before the voting, um, Santana. But then watching it the second time, 
it it felt like if she was going to really attack Rachel Berry, like really unnerve her and really sabotage her for supposedly being a horrible person and the best she could say is that she has whiskers, why didn't she do that right before the performance and Ugh. really unnerve her and prevent her from giving any semblance of a good performance? Interesting. Yeah, that's a very good so point. So it's just like the whole, the whole <laughs> thing is, okay... I gotta step back and just not let, not think too hard about any of it. Well, we got a couple of voicemails about the 100th episode, so let's take a quick listen to those now. This is longtime, often tweeter listener Moose. Hello, you three. This is Moose from Chicago. Josh, I hate to agree with you, as I rarely <laughs> do. But First of all, I, I am adorable. Nobody's so, <laughs> disputing that, but your opinions are kind of strong and no, usually contrary to anybody else. Go ahead. <laughs> Moose and I have a certain tension on the Twitter. <laughs> Let's put it like that, Moose. I know you. Here's Moose. <laughs> completely this time about the Rachel Santana storyline. What they would have been really smart to do was to have Santana try out for one of the two assisting roles in Funny Girl, either her assistant or her best friend, Georgia, that was largely cut out of the film. Now, first of all, Moose, that presupposes that the writers have ever seen Funny Girl. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. And you and Josh are actually... That way they could have done <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that we've both seen Funny Girl. Exactly. You actually both know the story very well to know these supporting characters. I auditioned for it after college. <laughs> they could have done the play together, had their little spats, but still been great friends. Oh. Sorry, Moose. I interrupted well, you twice, and then I... Well, anyway, uh, I apologize. Let me see. Let me put that back. Okay. To be really lazy about the fact that they can't just make new friends. Uh, Star Child is one of the rare exceptions. Why couldn't they brought in some completely new female ingenue to play her understudy and then worked her into the plot somehow? <sighs> Very frustrating to watch, but I'm hoping for episode 100 being... The redemption the season needs. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. I mm. wonder what you thought. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm uh, I, I wish you luck with that opinion. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe one hundred point two point five. Uh, so yes, it would be the hundred and one episode. Yeah, I just. <sighs> Thank you for that email. Leaves me uh, longing. Here is listener Sarah. Hey, Josh, Jen, and Ed. This is listener Sarah. I just got finished watching the 100th episode, and I have some thoughts. Um, and hopefully you'll have an episode soon so that uh, I can hear your all thoughts. Um, I have six thoughts. <laughs> the first is that it was really fun, and it had a season, like, one to three feel. Um, I didn't really realize, like, that I had missed that feeling and, and those things um, and those elements until until I was watching them again. So it made me very nostalgic. Um, I think I did a great job of recapturing all that. Um, the second, number two, is that it was very surreal to need to find gravity. That was just very weird. Um, the third thing is I have definitely missed in Mike Chang, uh, Brittany S. Pierce, and Quinn. Um, and I realized that, you know, the show's evolved and it, you know, they don't need to show up every week, but it was really good to see them. Uh, the fourth thing is that this is the first time I have actually agreed with Josh regarding Santa Wait a minute. Oh. Do we just get two voicemails agreeing with... Guys, Wait, Jennifer was... knows this. We don't get a lot of emails that agree with Josh. 
Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I thought you were going to say Jennifer knows this. My head is big enough. It doesn't <laughs> need inflating. Wow. He's got a big melon here. I can, I I am I'm flabbergasted. Here we go. Listener Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Person, uh, what she said to Rachel was awful and I did it again. <laughs> Stop playing that other Shh. There we go. Alright, there we go. You know, they don't need to show up every week, but it was really good to see them. Uh, the fourth thing is that this is the first time I have actually agreed with Josh regarding Santana being a horrible person. Uh, what she said to Rachel was awful, and I also really appreciated hearing Rachel's point of view in the bathroom. I actually feel like that scene did a much better job of explaining how she felt about Santana and the whole situation um, than the episode that, invo- that devoted, like, an entire half episode to it. Uh, the thing is that, I don't know if you all noticed this, but in the last scene where Shu is um, talking about the plaque in Glee Club and everything, there's a shot of, of what I am saying is Leah and Michelle crying, not Rachel Perry crying, because <clears throat> you could tell that she was trying actually not to cry and to suppress it when he was talking about sin and everything, and um, it actually felt very intrusive to me, and I think it was kind of the big move of the editors to include that. Um, maybe Leah Michelle's the best doctors in the world, and that was her portraying Rachel, but I didn't see it that way. And uh, my last thing is that I actually didn't realize that this was a two-parter episode, <laughs> so I got to the end, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, nothing's really wrapped up. They had this whole plot line about saving the Quick Club that didn't come to fruition, and uh, not everyone has had their moments. Like, I don't think Tina got a line, which is fine, but, you know, there was no big Blaine song. There was really no big Kurt moment except for his little part in Defying Gravity, so what the hell. So um, I'm looking forward to next week of All My Pups, and I um, can't wait to hear what you guys think about the last couple of episodes. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, Sarah, for agreeing with me. Um, well, and... <laughs> Yeah, but very well up, thought out. Did voicemail. Jennifer, did you know it was a two-parter? No. Ed, did you know it was a two-parter? I, I got to the end of the episode and I was like, well, hold on, what? Is that it? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Josh, Josh had to clue me in as it was happening. I'm like, why? Well, because I even looked at him. I'm like, why are they doing the big, you know, you know, group number at the end that we grown to love? <laughs> We like we, we, thought, enjoy. We, we thought we didn't like it, but then then it was gone, and we're like, yeah, no, yeah, right? it was actually exactly. Necessary. They take it away. And <laughs> That's you're exactly like... right. Um, yeah, that, I was unprepared. I also thought it was, you know, kind of an odd way to. Well, they they'd already brought up the pictures. I mean, it felt like the end. It felt like the end. Um, also, to Sarah's point, I also picked up on Leah Michelle what appeared to be shedding real tears. I didn't find it intrusive. Personally, I found it kind of beautiful um, because it was one of those things where if you didn't know, you would be able to just feel, oh, the character is, this is the character's reaction. But as we know, and we've looked at her face for so many hours yeah. uh, while they're on the, you know, while she's on the show, while she's on YouTube videos, uh, while you're just stalking her. And maybe that's just me uh, that you can tell when she's, um, when she's acting and when she's not. Yeah. So for me, I actually found that kind of, kind of special. And honestly, 
from everything that I've read and heard, her relationship with Ryan Murphy, I don't think that he would ever allow something like that go on the air without her approval. And it's like, yes, she had a real puffy nose, real puffy eyes, real, you know, controlling my breathing while I'm trying not to sob out loud moment. And, you know... I think I think that was kind of a little gift from her to us, mm. which sounds kind of bizarre and perverse. I don't know, but it just I, I feel like I really don't believe that the production would have let this go on air without her consent. Well, um, one last question before we wrap up this conversation of of Glee's one hundredth episode. Ed, I'm going to start with you. Ostensibly. Next week will be the last moment of New Directions. The plot line has told us, and certainly the promos for the next episode have enforced, that next week will be the end of New Directions and the Glee Club. Ed, I ask you, do you think that is going to happen? Do you think next week we will see the end of New Directions? Well, the plot is certainly pointing in that direction, and I I didn't get a chance to look it up, but I'm pretty positive that all these people are all the 2.0s are recurring people and not stars so i think i'm i say 60 to 70 percent chance that could be the end of new direction so i uh, so just to ask you specifically you think at the end of the next episode new directions is going to say like it was a good run love you guys like whether or not the characters come back do you think the plot of glee next week will end with new directions is a hundred percent done everybody go your separate ways we'll probably do a dance number next week at the park i guess yes i will say yes jennifer thoughts i don't think they go into the park but (laughs) that's just me um i don't know i mean honestly if if they're going if they're going to commit to, you know, season 6 being all New York all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. You think it's a poetic way to go out to see and it die? Honestly, I think I think at this point, given the lack of storyline, dialogue, screen time, anything that they've given the 2.0s up to this point if they try to shoehorn anything beyond this, it's 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 a disservice to everybody. Interesting. I mean, because there is a world where, yeah, we do go to New York next week, or we do New go to New York, York next season, but we don't, you know, Schuster still sticks around and runs the New Directions forever, and the New Directions are always a, a, a group. I mean, they don't have to die in the next episode for that to happen. Or... But, well, he goes I, to New I York and actually makes that's what they want. <laughs> Interesting. This yeah. is what I. So my prediction is, uh, I have two predictions. One of them. Can you write it down and then lose it again. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's hilarious, guys? I wrote down that prediction in an envelope. If you're a longtime listener, you know I wrote down my prediction for I think it was the season four finale, and I put it in an envelope. And then I was like, I'm going to open this because I'm 100% sure I know what it is. I don't remember what I wrote down, and I don't know where I put the envelope. And I recently tore my office apart and put in a new desk. So I literally have no idea where that thing is. I have... I... I don't even know where it could be. I think the cat ate it. (laughs) 
I think it's hysterical. And I, I mean, I admit I was wrong about who was catfishing, but um, yeah, you have. <laughs> I, I got nothing. I have two. Oh. I have two predictions. Either, new, either at the end of the next episode, uh, they will actually disband the new directions, and Will Schuster will have some kind of like, you know, maybe I'll go in and teach children how to how to sing because I have a child, uh, and we and that will be poetically the end of the new directions experience. Or, I think that uh, that. They will end up dissolving the new directions, and then Will Schuster will say, "But I still believe in Glee clubs," and he will create a new Glee club under a new name. At the end of the next episode, he's going to be like, "Well, it doesn't mean I can't, uh, you know, become the coach of a new Glee club called the uh, uh, Naked Erections, and uh, that'll be my new my my new Glee club." Wow! And no, that Will Schuster the, will continue in a new, new name. Kid Directions. What was it, They're my doing- head? New kid direction. There it is. Oh my god! Beautiful. Beautiful. And he's going to have his newborn baby be the the lead singer. Love it. Or way outside, way outside, way outside the box. Something that came up that we mentioned in the last episode, where in in nationals, where they said uh, there can only be one winner per country. But they act out of nowhere. This line that means nothing shows up in naturals. Nationals. We could find out that there is an international Glee Club competition, and that even though they will dissolve the new directions at the end of the next episode, Schuster will say, "But we can still go to the international Glee Club competition in France, and we're all going to go." I don't know why I said it like that. I mean, uh, more like Iceland. In Iceland, <laughs> yeah, someplace where. And and then Which is lovely, the, by the way. remainder of the season will be the surviving members of New Directions because there will probably be a bomb. Uh, the surviving members of New Directions going to this international competition in the latter part of the season and competing on a world scale. But then that they didn't win nationals, so I don't know how that would work. But that's my 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 outside probably not going to happen prediction. Well, I mean, in 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 fairness to that theory. For example, you don't the, have to be fair. It's not a good thing. <laughs> in, in fairness, in fairness, in the World Curling Championships, the top two countries from the Americas go to the World Championships. So, and they did get second. So, so they they would. There, there is a situation where that can kind of make some sense. Uh, just, oh. I just want to point out though, just real quick, I do want to point out that uh, on this date. Uh, May 22nd. March. March 22nd at 5.54 PST PM. Uh-oh. Ed Giordano said, in the world curling competitions, and then proceeded to not only compare it to Glee, to speak in an educated fashion about the world curling competition. Why not? Why not? Curling so in right now. Make in a Ed's t-shirt. I actually, I'm going to say probably 15 years ago, I worked as a waitress for a banquet company. And we used to do, when I was working at the turkey farm, we used to do, we used to cater the annual banquet of the um, curler, curling teams of uh, central Massachusetts. And I say teams, and they had a beautiful lodge with a beautiful rink. And we used to set up above and like the like in the loft area for their banquet. Hundreds of people. It's beautiful. The one thing I do it like about curling watch. is lots of girls do curling and they all have huge brushes. And they strong glue. And they all and they all scream hard. 
Wow. Hard Naughty. I love oh, it. That was, that was my best um, uh, Jennifer Jones impression. Uh, is that a curler? Um, Olympic gold winning curler. Wow. Oh, I thought you meant Jennifer Jones, uh, the song and of Bernadette. The, and the Cali only Cali. women's team in Olympic history to have an undefeated record at the Olympics. Well, so uh, please stay tuned for Ed's <laughs> new podcast, uh, Curling. No, okay. I, was thinking, I was thinking, how good would a would a uh, HBO or Showtime half an hour sitcom of a Minnesota curling team be? How good no would that Okay, comment? what is the name of your Minnesota curling team? I, I don't I don't know I, if something awesome I I I'm, we're still in development stages I don't know <laughs> I'm thinking I'm like Minnesota what do I know about Minnesota I know you have a twin city. twin curls twin curls that's good uh, that's good I like that one uh, I think uh, uh, what else is Minnesota known for I I don't know I'm trying to think of like a, a hair hipsters. salon joke you know what, I'm sorry what was that Ed hipsters hipsters that's what Minnesota's known for. Well, uh, listener it's Tommy, Minneapolis is the hip? Portland of the Midwest. Uh, Interesting. Amazing. I'll take that. Uh, the, <laughs> I don't even know how to weigh in on that. Uh, listener Tommy said in the chat room, uh, in season six, Ohio secedes from the states and they default to the national champion of the new sovereign company of Ohio. <laughs> slow clap. Standing slow clap. Uh, well, that's about it for us. Jennifer, do you have anything else to say about this episode? Really outside of the box. Um, Will decides to dedicate time to being a teacher, a husband, and a father. Wow. Oh, God. There's that's no not happening. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Eh, Don't crazy. jump on me. Uh, Ed, any final, thought, final thoughts about episode 100? I hope that, that they make it work for a part two, like for real. And I'm excited to see where Britannia is going. Even if it's going nowhere, I'm, I, I, I do appreciate that we're going through these motions. That's awesome. where I'm at. Jennifer, I do have I, one last final thought. As much as I find um, April Rhodes and Holly Holiday annoying, I'm curious to see the little bit of mischief that they're going to get into <laughs> to make the new directions happen. You're just you're just you just respect them because even though they're going to save the new directions, they're not going to do it until after they finish their wine. Exactly. Because they're As ladies. Any self-respecting lady would. <laughs> but the Gleeful <gasps> Podcast with Josh Jennett. I'm Josh. I'm Jen. I'm. For those watching Big Brother Canada, I, I'm I'm all Team Allison right now. I'm all Team <laughs> Allison. I know she's the, I know she's a long shot. I know she's on the block right now, but I have faith. Jennifer, did you have one last thing? One last, last thing. Okay, sorry. Um, Josh Groban could come back and support his <laughs> blowsy alcoholic. Oh, God, there you go. Done. Winner. We're going to love wow. next episode. Thank you. Winner. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. Bring me
This song has like five lines and it goes on for about 90 to 120 seconds longer than it should. But it goes on six hours longer in my head. (laughs) It just, it doesn't stop. 